Greetings, dear listener. This is David of the Midibulous 2 podcast. Today we have a double feature. First up is Ben's report from Doctor Who Worlds of Wonder. And then about 24 minutes into the podcast, we'll have a break. And then I will speak with John and Peter about the games of Rassilon, which is a subforum on Gallifrey Base. And now on to the show. everybody to episode 221 of the Metabilis 2 podcast, featuring myself, Ben. And I am David. And Ben, where are you? Where are you calling from? I am in a hotel room in Carlisle hmm. in the north of England. But where have I been today? That's probably your question. That is the question. Yes. That is your question. Um, I've been lucky enough to be able to go to the National Museum of Scotland in Edinburgh, the capital of Scotland, um, to see the Doctor Who Worlds of Wonder exhibition that wow. I think started out in Liverpool. Wow, indeed, <laughs> Worlds of Wonder. I think it started out in Liverpool and it just opened the 1st of December in jolly old Scotland. And as regular listeners to this podcast might remember, I'm currently on a job up in Scotland, at least I was. Um, mm-hmm. So on my slow drive back to Gloucestershire, I decided to drop in on on Edinburgh and Wells of Wonder, and um, wonderful it was. It sounds like it was worth your time. I think so. Yeah, um, I went to the the BBC Doctor Who exhibition in Cardiff. I think about a decade ago. I think so. Yeah, it must have been something like that. Yeah. Okay. And um, I think this is the first Who show since that exhibition closed, whenever it was. Right. It was interesting. It was so the National Museum of Scotland is, as its name might imply, a National Museum of Scotland, <laughs> with a bunch of things from Scotland in it, and then also a bunch of other stuff that Scottish people have stolen from other people around the world, and like a dodo and like a sperm whale, and so it's natural history stuff as well. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not it's not what you might call the the venue that comes to mind. So it's a scientific and historical museum. So what they've done. I've, I guess to make it fit is the is the show is 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 kind of mediated through the medium of science mediated through the medium um the the uh, <laughs> uh, the show is kind of mediated through the lens of science right so basically the hook for the show it's the science of doctor who okay so there are various scientists on video screens talking about science and each little section of doctor who things so there's like robots um, cyborgs, time travel, right. all that kind of thing, right. and then you know, genetic engineering, and then like the scientists will talk about those things. Mm-hmm. Our guide throughout the show, again on video screens, is Mark Gatiss. Okay, um, in character in or as himself? Uh, in character as himself, okay. um, which is which is also a character. I mean, he's dressed up in a suit with a bow tie. He's obviously like he's he's in character as his Doctor Who ish. As his Doctor Who adjacent self. Okay. So it's a little bit tendentious because, you know, to be honest, Doctor Who isn't really a scientific show, is it, in many ways? It's a fantasy show. It's kind of a fantasy show, yes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's a bit on space, on, on space suits and, like, so there's, like, space suits from Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I didn't really read or listen to any of the science stuff. I mean, there was a brilliant display of, like, of all the sonic screwdrivers. Mm-hmm. I doubt that that was sonic screwdrivers could they be real mm-hmm. um it was so anyway um 
uh, yeah, and it was it was uh, it was it was it was quite crowded because it was a Saturday. Yeah. Um, luckily, it was timed tickets though, so I was uh, there was actually quite a lot of space to walk around. Mm-hmm. I took plenty of photographs. Excellent. Um, of course, uh, there was a lovely TARDIS console. There was a TARDIS. Again, kind of amusingly, given the kind of pseudo scientific nature of the whole thing, um, there was a monster room. Um, which didn't have any science stuff in it at all because it was just <laughs> monsters. Um, and, like, obviously monsters aren't real. So there was a Davros and a, and a and an original Death Planet Dalek, well, an original Des- Death Planet design Dalek. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so Ice Warrior Queen, Ice Warrior. Um, there were a bunch of Cybermen heads. Did they have any Loch Ness Monster to tie in with Scotland, the Scarazin or anything like that? Uh, no. I mean, I think you'll find that a lot of that kind of... <laughs> <laughs> A lot of that kind of stuff isn't that popular in Scotland, um, to be honest. <laughs> what do you uh, mean? <laughs> I'm just as I'm sure elements of the Green Death aren't that popular in Wales. Mm. Um, no, I mean, it's a travelling show, so it didn't really time with Scotland at all. It's not keyed into Scotland, per se. No, I mean, which was a shame, because actually, given that you know two of the leads in the past 20 years, 20, almost 20 years of Doctor Who, have been Scottish actors... Um, oh, plus and the that, three, right? Because you got Capaldi, Tennant, and McCoy, and now Gatwa. And Gatwa, of course. I forgot about Gatwa. And, of course, Moffat, yeah. Scottish. Yeah. Um, and I, I actually drove through the t- very delightful town of Moffat um, on the way down to Carlisle, <laughs> which, was, which, is, which is a very, very swanky town indeed. They, um, they, re- they so, renamed no, so, it after Moffat? Or is this they the... certainly did. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. It's, it's it's what he's named after, I assume. Stephen okay. Moffat comes right. from Moffat. I see. Um, I mean, they did have. And I didn't get a snap of this, unfortunately. They did have the the new costumes for David Tennant, and um, I'm just going to call her Donna because I've forgotten her name. So the Fourteenth Doctor and Donna, that they, they, they had their costumes mm-hmm. were at the entrance, um, and then there was a David Bradley um, First Doctor costume. But again, it wasn't really costumes; it was science. Um, the what the science the one thing that really kind of jumped out at me is that I mean the majority of material on display was from New Who yes um, so there was you know there was a there was a face of Bo there was an ice warrior queen there was a there was a there was a pig slave um, head pig slave head there was a there was a flood head mm-hmm. um, there was there was an ood head yeah um, there was a cat nun relatively few classic who props for the very simple reason is that the ones that are made of latex literally don't exist anymore they've dissolved and the ones that aren't made of latex have been sold through various auctions etc etc are in private collections Mm -hmm. so you know if you were to do a comprehensive doctor who exhibition you know throughout the years that would be very very hard to do you'd be doing a, dealing a lot with private collectors um you know some of whom you know are not breaking on lending things because they're you know they're nuts right um and um also <laughs> and rich. You know, you'd be dealing with a lot of stuff that's basically just melted away um there was a they had the morbius monster Oh, but it said restored Morbius monster, and I don't know what kind of work's mm. been done on the Morbius monster. It looked amazing, um, but I'm certain mm. you know it was a pile of latex crumbs when they started work on it. And the reason I say that is that it's both the pig head and pig slave Dalek pig slave head, and the ood were super crumbly latexy. So mm-hmm. again, you know, and those are you know, only only ten ten plus years or so old. 
Yeah, they're not made to last. They're made to get on the screen quickly and inex- inexpensively as can be realistically portrayed on screen. Yeah, which is always the thing that's kind of vaguely disappointing about kind of prop exhibitions because the props always look a bit crap um, because that's mm-hmm. what they are. Um, but though, it w- again, it was interesting. Um, I mean, I think the Dalek they had on show, the classic Dalek was a reproduction. I didn't, that definitely wasn't an original. Right. Uh, they had the K1 giant robot, Morbius monster, the uh, Ark of Infinity Omega, um, and those seemed to be costumes that had been deliberately kept by the BBC and kept in good shape and kind of mm-hmm. restored. Um, I, I actually, I, I remember that the K1 robot was at the Museum of the Moving Image in London for what felt like decades, probably about 15 years or so. Um, mm-hmm. So that was, that's been off-site. Um, but, I mean, I think what seems to me the BBC is sort of keeping these kind of, you know, uh, key costumes that they've actually bothered to conserve over the years and kind of using them, you know, in, in this kind of context. The the Ice Warrior costume looked a little bit me to be a, a, a reproduction. Mm-hmm. And um, I think all the Sonics were reproductions as well. Um, yeah. Uh, um, they had a, a, there was a ring modulator, so you could do your voice as a Dalek, which was kind of fun. Oh, yes, here's the other thing. I mean, I, I obviously like, mod- obviously, I like models a lot. Right. And there weren't any spaceship models at all. Huh. Um, because, again, you know, those get broken, they get cannibalized, mm. um, they get sold off, sold, yeah. um, et cetera, et cetera. Apart from the uh, the models that Mike Tucker made for the Sharda uh, recreation. Recreation. Hmm. So they had those three models, and they they were very nicely displayed in their crates that Mike Tucker. I'm going to just call him Mike because um, I know him and I don't know him. But anyway, um, <laughs> the, the, the the crates that Mike had made um, mm-hmm. in order basically to send them to this exhibition. Um, so that was good to see. I mean, I would have liked more models, but again, you know, there aren't any, and I think mm-hmm. it's, you know, um, I think it's instructive. If our listener is interested in kind of film history and stuff, um, he he or she um, would have noticed that going around the world recently over the past six, seven years has been a Stanley Kubrick exhibition, um, Mm -hmm. which is a very, very comprehensive exhibition of of artefacts from Stanley Kubrick's archive. Now, the reason they can do that exhibition is Stanley Kubrick kept absolutely everything. He never threw anything away. Um, and if you do that, then you can do exhibitions of yourself. Right. Um, the B- BBC has not really kept anything, not really made anything that lasted. Mm-hmm. And what it has, what it had lasted, it's kind of sold off. So it is difficult to do a comprehensive BBC, a comprehensive Doctor Who exhibition because the material's gone. As I said, you know, what will happen to something like Face of Bow? Over the years, may you know, I don't know what their collection policies are at this point. You know, whether right. they'll be conserving key artifacts like bow or not. Um, you know, I, I don't really know. But you know, I, mean, I think I think that's the that's the that's. I mean, apart from you know, seeing cool objects that I've seen before, such as the K one robot and the mm-hmm. Morbius monster and some Daleks. You know, the interesting takeaway I had is, well, how do you do an, a Doctor Who exhibition? Yeah, um, when you really don't have a lot of Doctor Who stuff. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like any kind of studio-based thing where it wasn't designed to keep stuff around. So you'd have like the early history of Star Trek. None of that is really meant to keep around. So you're going to be, I imagine, dealing with a lot of replicas. A lot of replicas, exactly. Well, actually, one of the things I did do is they had a um, they had a robot of death head. Yeah. So I took a lot of close-up photographs of that because... Um, uh, I mean, I know that my, my, my robot of Death Head is an original, but I would like to kind of compare it to another original. 
just to kind of make sure that you know I'm 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 correct. So I took I took some detail so- detail shots of that, and when I get back to Minneapolis eventually. Um, I'll be doing some some photo comparisons and um, now, uh, just. Do you of... think that was an original one that they had on the in the exhibit? Well, it was. A, I mean, it was from someone's collection. Um, so again, I took I took a photograph of the of the collector's name. I think it was. Uh, wait a second, and I'm going to look him up online. So, uh, oh yeah, here we go. A man called. Derek Handley, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, I, I, it's, 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 it seemed like an original original one to me. It was missing its its neck piece, and I I, I have the neck piece, mm-hmm. but it's certainly it's it's you see a lot of reproductions of those yes. around. It's very very hard to reproduce. It's such a a subtle thing, mm-hmm. um, and I can spot reproductions a mile off. And this one looked like an original to, original to me. Oh, good, very good. I noticed that uh, right next to K1, the Kettlewell robot, there's a K9. There is a K9, yes. Um, as, again, as our listener will know, I'm not a big fan of K9s. Mm-hmm. So I didn't take your photographs of that. <laughs> um, chameleon um, was there, again, too, it looks like, or at least there's a picture of Chameleon. Was Chameleon there? Or? Oh, no, so that's a photograph ah, of Chameleon. Okay. Um, so that so that section was the kind of robotics section. Mm-hmm. So like, ooh, are robots real? Um, yes, they are. Um, are robots of death? No, they're only of death in in Doctor Who. Um, <laughs> so you know, it was, it was the it was the that was the right. You know, could could a TV show have a real robot in it? Well, it could, but Chameleon really wasn't that one. Right. Um, so you know, that was the kind of gist of that mm-hmm. um, of that section. The Cybermen helmets look pretty swanky there. I'm guessing originals that been restored. The Silver Nemesis is all shiny and silver plated. Yeah, that was a that was a lovely display actually. Again, I'm thinking that looking at them, it seems to me that, you know, the Silver Nemesis and the, you know, the Cyber 80s Cyber Leader were probably originals. Mm-hmm. I actually I actually didn't take a picture of of where those had been borrowed from. Obviously the the Moonbase Cyberman is from uh, is from the Capaldi era, uh, Capalda, Capaldi era, not the you know, not the sixties. Oh, the tenth, the tenth um, planet, the Mon- Mondasian yeah, Cybermen. Yeah, yeah, the the yes, the sorry, I beg your pardon. Yes, the the Mondasian yes. Cybermen, the the Revenge of the Cybermen Cyber Leader head. That looked like a reproduction to me. Mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure, and I think that the is either a Moon Base or a um, Wheel in Space Cyber head. That looked like a, that looked like an, an original to me. So, um, oh, okay, yeah. But again, you see, I mean, I, the thrust of the show was not here are some original props from Doctor Who. It was what is the science of Doctor Who. So that's a slightly mm-hmm. different. Slightly... So they were focusing on cybernetics than for Cybermen. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So um, and, yeah, and like for the Ice Warrior life on Mars, I'm guessing. <laughs> I don't suppose. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. So the uh, the ice warriors that was in the monster room. So that was the where they just kind of like screw it. Like here are some monsters. You've come to see monsters. Here are the monsters. We're not going to talk about the science of monsters because there is no science behind monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, but unless you're um, in Loch Ness, uh, exactly. Uh, but they had the um, I can't remember what the little robot's name is, but the, the robot that was in the flood. Um, you know the Mars one with the flood. What's that one called? Oh, Waters of Mars. Waters of Mars. So they had that robot. So then there was a little thing about living on Mars and stuff like that. So there you go. Gotcha. Yeah. Like Mars exploration and stuff. So it was a thin fig leaf of science, which is basically a prop exhibition. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I mean, I, I said I wasn't really paying attention to the science because, you know, science, whatever. Um, but yeah, <laughs> but, I mean, I think I think for kids, 
um, it's probably really, it's probably really good. You know, I mean, I guess, I guess it gets mm-hmm. get kids interested in science or something. Maybe mm-hmm. it was a Saturday, so there were quite a lot of kids there. There are also a lot of Doctor Who nerds like me. Um, in fact, a lot more. I mean, a lot more t-shirted than I was. I was just wearing normal human clothes mm-hmm. rather than rather than Doctor Who fan clothes. But you know, a lot of people were excitedly having their pictures taken by Daleks, and you could, there was a Dalek you could climb inside, like a modern Dalek. Did you go in? Uh, did you climb in? No, I mean, it was, I actually, I, ah. I, I, I did that when. Um, I mean, it's cut in half. It's not. It, it, oh. You can't actually literally climb inside. You, you, it. you don't. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Health, health, and safety. Um, so people were excitedly <laughs> doing that, and there was a couple of young ladies who were really monopolizing um, the ring modulator in a way that made me um, not bother to play on it because they were playing on it without letting anyone else uh-huh. have a go. Uh, so yeah, I mean, there were plenty of fans around. Um, there wasn't any good merch. There were some T-shirts, but they weren't that good. There were some mm-hmm. way overpriced B&M exclusives, which they had the War Games and Trout and Tardis combo right. um, for 50 quid. Whoa. Whoa. I mean, if you, yeah. if you caught it at B&M, <laughs> B&M when it was at B&M, that was 30 quid. So come on, right. Museums of Scotland, a little bit of markup there. Uh, but yeah, there was no kind of exclusive merch. I, mean, I, I guess I wasn't really expecting any, mm-hmm. so didn't really pick up any merch. I went to see a couple of other shows at the same time and got some merch for those shows. So, um, oh, good. Yeah. So it wasn't a Doctor Who exclusive day. It was uh... No, no. I, I, there was an excellent exhibition on the uh, Serbian-Scottish designer Bernt, uh, sorry, uh, Bernat Klein. Um, yeah. Who someone never like, never heard of the person? Uh, he's he's great actually. Look him up. He's a he's an excellent kind of textile and designer and painter in Glasgow in the after after World War Two. Anyway, so yeah, so nice. that, that was the other thing. Oh, yeah, and they also we also got got to see the Lewis Chessman, which I've seen the I've seen the Lewis ah, che- Chessman yes. at the British Museum, but I've not seen the Scottish Lewis Chessman. So it was very very pleasurable to um, to see those guys because they're super cool. Yeah, I even saw the Isle of Lewis Chessmen when I went to the British Museum, but I did not know they were in Scotland. Uh, co- or were there yeah, copies so or ho- additional pieces? No, so I mean, because it was the Victorians that kind of found the Lewis Chessmen, they basically yes. split them between the Museum of Scotland and uh, the British Museum. So basically, mm-hmm. half, well, a third are in Scotland <laughs> and two thirds are in London. <laughs> You know, because of the empire and yep, all that, yep. and I think I personally actually think that's a real shame. And they should um, they should reunite them, but they're not going to. Because mm-hmm. I mean, it'd be great to see them all all in one go. And I think the Scots would be over the moon if the British Museum said, "Yeah, you can have them back," but mm-hmm. they're never going to say that. Yeah. So, well. Yeah. Go. They got to hang on to something, I guess. I guess so, because <laughs> the British Museum is slowly. Yeah. Everyone wants their stuff back. Yep. Go figure. Um, at this point. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. If I was a chess player, I would really like a replica Isle of Lewis chess piece playing set because they're they're very each each uh, piece has its own unique facial expression and they all kind of tell a story. So I I, I really like the Isle of Lewis chessmen. Oh, they're fantastic, and you can actually get full uh, full full reproduction chess sets at the uh, at the Scottish Museum mm. if you if you want to play chess like a Viking might. Um, ah. <laughs> Um, so there you go. Yeah, yeah, just like Mark Gatiss when he was playing chess as a Viking in Doctor Who. Oh, he was playing chess as a Viking in Doctor. I've forgotten about that. <laughs> Goodness, yeah. it's all—it's all coming together. All coming together. So the question I have is, how does this compare to the Doctor Who the exhibition that was well 
10 years ago um, at for not quite 50th as good. anniversary. Not quite as good. Not quite as good. Smaller traveling show, mm-hmm. less stuff, basically. And, you know, had this science focus, which meant, you know, there obviously there weren't any costumes, you know, apart from the kind of your Bradley first doctor and stuff like that. So, yeah, so I mean, it, 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 you know, it wasn't, it's not, wasn't really a Doctor Who show per se. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a it was a what about science and Doctor Who kind of show, which is which is a great which is a good hook, but it's not necessarily you know exactly um, uh, it's 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 not the kind of comprehensiveness that a that a kind of a fan might demand of a full show. It wasn't the Space Museum. <laughs> it was not the Space Museum. Definitely not the Space Museum. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, what it was, it was fourteen. I mean, it was free if you're a member. I'm not a member, obviously, of the National Museum mm-hmm. of Scotland because I don't live in Scotland. Um, so what would be the point? I think it was fourteen fifty for an adult. Um, you know, obviously, I'm... That's bait. not too bad. Not too bad, yeah. So, like, a 16, 17 bucks or so to get in. Um, it's, mm-hmm. I think it's on until April. So if, it, yep. if our listener is anywhere near uh, Edinburgh in the next couple of months or so, um, well worth a look, I think. Yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah. It's always nice to see the old familiar monsters and costumes it was great it's great to see that k1 robot because again i remember that so well from from the museum of the moving image Mm -hmm. on the on the south bank so and the tardis console looked like to be a replica of the first original tardis console yeah i think that was the one that they built for an adventure in space and time and that Mm -hmm. was the one that i saw in in cardiff Mm -hmm. so i think that's probably something that the the bbc are obviously keeping and they'll be using you know on various occasions um you know in 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 the future when they need a when they need an original tardis Mm -hmm. yeah it's very nice very nice console so definitely I guess the next time we'll be speaking, you'll be coming from Gallifrey. Yes. Um, I, excitedly, this evening, have just registered for my cafe clatches. Because those, those, those registrations um, opened this evening. Mm-hmm. So before I, before, I start, before I talk to you, I put my name down for um, some intimate coffee drinking with Doctor Who people. So we'll see which ones I get. Yeah, okay. So it's you apply and then they fill you in. Yeah, so I did I applied for Tim Trillor and mm. what's her name? So the kind of third doctor team. Um Jeff yep. Cummings. Um that was my third choice because I, I don't think Jeff Cummings is going to be that popular and he'll have a booth anyway in the merch room, so I can mm-hmm. have a chat with him then. But my first choice was John Coulshaw, because I'd actually really like to meet John Coulshaw. I think he's an interesting guy. Um, yeah. There wasn't a Katie Manning one. Aww. The only kind of classic who Kathy Clatch was um, was Fraser Hines, and as everyone knows, um, you know Fraser is, is basically completely there for all for all Califrey. So if you want to have a chat with Fraser, you totally can because mm-hmm. um, he's he's if he's not signing, very accessible, very yeah. very accessible, very chatty bloke. Mm-hmm. Um, loves the fans, loves being in Doctor Who. So again, didn't really feel the need to do a to have a kind of an, an, an intimate coffee yeah. with him. You can always catch him at the ice cream social at the beginning. He's usually there too. He's usually hanging out. Um, but I, I I I am on two panels, which I which I'm excited about. I'm on the merchandising panel. And on the film, crappy film, yeah. terrible <laughs> film panel. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Why do we love bad films? <laughs> why do I? So now I've got to think of some reasons why I like bad films. But there you go. We'll but do you think they're good? Anyways, more on that later. <laughs> more on that later. That's in a couple of weeks. All right. But, yeah, I, I think it's, I think we both David and I thought that you'd all appreciate a little, little, little quick review of the 
of the show at the at the at the Scottish Museum. So there you have it. Indeed, indeed. There you have yes. it. Yes. Well, thank you, and uh, safe travels. Thank you. And uh, we'll speak to you live from L.A. Fantastic. I will look forward to it. And welcome back. This is David once again, and I'm joined by two guests from the Gallifrey Base Forum Game of Rassilon section. John, who is Elvwood, and Peter, who is known as For Pete's Sake. Both set quiz questions, run other games, and this is an area on Gallifrey Base that I find myself spending quite a bit of time in over the past few years. So welcome to the podcast, John and Peter. Hello. Hello, David. Hello, John. Yeah. Hiya. Hiya. Yeah, thanks, nice, for, thanks nice for having us you. on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's good to be back, David. Thank you for having me back again. Hey, welcome back, Peter. Yeah, first time for me. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of a, a niche interest within a niche interest, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's, uh, <laughs> hopefully you'll get a good audience. Yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to explaining as to why we do it. <laughs> yeah, no, without it being a sad reflection on our lives, I guess. But here we go. Let's, <laughs> let's try. Knock, let's knock ourselves out. Go, David. So I don't know if it takes up a lot of time. Uh, some games take up more time than others, but it's a nice way of checking in with each other on a day-to-day or week-by-week basis. And uh, the game's been around for quite a few years. And uh, John, what what were the first games that kind of attracted your attention to this forum? Oh, gosh. Well, um I mean, I'm relatively new to uh, online fandom for Doctor Who. I had a back problem, which meant I was off work for some time. And uh, I basically went to Gallifrey bases looking for something to do. <laughs> this was about 10, 12 years ago and sort of browsed around a bit. And I've always been fond of games. Uh, I used to be a computer games designer and programmer. Mm. Um, you know, <laughs> in my previous existence. <laughs> um, and... Um, uh, we always used to play board games, card games, role-playing games in the evenings. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've had, a, I've got a long-term interest. So I obviously I checked out the games of Rassilon, uh, and I started out with just like, oh, what's this? Okay, we've got these um, elimination games yeah. where you, add, you know, you can add a point to one and take two points off another, and, and things like that, which were pretty simple, and they kind of kept me occupied. Mm-hmm. And then the ones that really attracted my attention were the what they used to call sheep and non-sheep games, yep. which have become <laughs> the compliant and u- unique. Yes. <laughs> the, now, now they're the compliant and unique games. So, uh, and that's mm-hmm. those are the ones that I like best. And I, you'll notice I haven't mentioned the really big one that's on there, uh, the yeah. top three tournament, which is. A whole other thing, which I, I said we probably want to talk about in, the, in its own little section, I would guess, <laughs> because it's the it's the one that attracts attention outside the Gallifrey base. Mm-hmm. Well, it has history. It has history, which which um, goes back to that post Gallifrey days, doesn't it? Yeah. And that makes it part of the forum members' annual tradition, isn't it, to join in, mm-hmm. even though it takes half the year. <laughs> it does. It's, it's yeah, but you know, people will visit the forum for no other reason than to to give their points to stories that they enjoy the, the most, mm. you know. So, so, so it encourages a gathering. Uh, and the more it becomes known, the, the, the more people take part. I think slowly but surely the numbers have invariably increased year on year. You'd have to ask the guys who run it for, for the breakdown. But it, it's pretty much 
the most popular game on on the forum. Certainly, yeah. With in in respect to participants, um, I mean, I mean, what took took me to to the internet and the forums? I, I was I was originally trying to join Outpost Gallifrey to discover it was about to be shut down and with Gallifrey Base taking its place. Mm-hmm. I joined because I was actually collecting. I was trying to do it to for my networking purposes. It was only once I got to realise what a huge place it is that, that I found I, it was actually, it was called Platform One, which was a game section yeah. before the Games of Rassilon section. Uh, and, and to be honest, it was just an easy place to, to hang out because what what you find out with Doctor Who fans, is, and as much as we love them, some of them are so serious. Yeah, and very intense. Goodness, yep. and then so so I steered clear of all that, and I, and I think you know why? Why did I watch Doctor Who? Why did I watch Doctor Who as a boy? And, and it's it's fun. It's the escapism. It's enjoyment. So so for me mm. to continue that enjoyment, it's it's join the games. So yeah, of course they they have, and this for the uneducated and people who don't know, they have what they call hurt slash heal games. Mm-hmm. Which is simply a short list on a particular topic, and it can just be who's your favourite principal actor who played the part Doctor Who, you know, just for a short list of a dozen names, for example. And it's you would they'd all have a starting score, and you either subtract or add to it. The subtraction is is bigger than the addition, and eventually you whittle the list down to one name, and that is the winner. And that winner lives long in the memory for seconds, and yeah. then we all move and start start a different one, and and that's what it was. So so they they were box standard, and there was lots of them. Mm-hmm. And then and then David, I remember when you joined the forum, uh, probably two or three years after I was there, you 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 brought in your own version of a short quiz, which was called Sheep Reverse Sheep, I think. I think it was simple something, and it was the same question where you had to answer from two different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, which was to give the most obvious answer and the, and the least obvious answer, mm-hmm. and 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 you and you had your own scoring system. So for me, to, to, I, I developed upon your original idea, and I and I, I, I duly give credit where where it's warranted, David. Um, the inspiration came from you, mm-hmm. and I started. Well, first of all, we learn about each other. What I learned from that quiz was how far away and distance I am from other fans in taste. <laughs> because I thought I was up to speed with what, what I regard as a popular, well-known story. I clearly didn't have a clue because my answers in the quiz were so far removed from the other guys that I, I realised I'd lost touch. But what I was good at was the more individual side, and I developed the quiz around that, The you know, giving the unique answer from which I developed the unique quiz, Yeah, where everybody has to to be... Just, just give the... the, the the least obvious answer. But I did have my own parameters, and I don't know if John ever picked up on this. And I did say in the early days, I didn't want to um, isolate the really knowledgeable Doctor Who fans from your very casual fan. Because um, um, what I learned from Gallagher is we have a good mixture of both. Mm-hmm. There is a section of really, really knowledgeable people who they, they'll tell you uh, what what incidental music was composed in B flat you know <laughs> yes. they, they know straight I don't know if that's real but they'll know there'll be people out there will actually now know already that answer you know but whereas other fans they watch this watch the series they might not collect toys they, all they do is watch it avidly mm-hmm. and that's a different level of fan and, and a different knowledge base so I wanted to to set questions that either group could answer Quickly, because because what people don't want to do is spend spend a lot of time, <laughs> uh, 
And, and it was some, so I simply wanted to devise questions that everybody could answer without too much investigation, researching, and still have a, a good chance of getting a good score at the end of the game or even winning it. And that was, that was the principle. John, is that how you formulate quiz questions do for the unique and compliance type quizzes? Yep. So for the benefit of your audience, yeah. uh, basically, I took your two ideas and I, what I wanted to do was I wanted to actually merge them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I came up with the idea of something which I called the uniquely compliant quiz. Yes. Where you could play safe or take a risk. Mm-hmm. Um, playing safe is to go compliant and you score the number of points of the number of people who agree with you. But if nobody agrees with you, then you are, are unique, in which case I came up with this, what everybody thinks is a completely ludicrous, <laughs> <laughs> ludicrously complicated calculation, uh, which means you can, yeah, you can score big, you can, you can score mm-hmm. big, but you can also massively lose points as well uh, so uh, it's a good idea it's a kind of pr- iterated prisoner's dilemma <laughs> situation for for those that know game theory <laughs> it is it, it is because yeah because we had the unique quiz and we followed that six months with the the opposite compliance quiz and yours was the the hybrid wasn't it it was yes it was neither one or the other but it's both <laughs> it was and again, you're offering the player an element of jeopardy as well. Yes. An extra jeopardy because they've got to make the choice themselves. Yeah. And, that, that, <laughs> and, that, that, and they will fall on their own sword. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, um, yeah, it, it does have one. What I hadn't quite anticipated when de- when designing it was the fact that you can end up going unique by accident, <laughs> <laughs> of course. Uh, uh, and then. Thank you, yes. And, and then you've, <laughs> yeah. you've kind of. Um, <laughs> you, you're, you're not in the situation where you want to be. Or compliant. Um, it's happened both ways. So, sorry, may, may, may I give you a real example? This, is, and this goes back to, to David's original quiz format. One of his questions, and, and this is an example of, and, and you could, is name a popular story from the key to time season. Okay, so me, I had my Doctor Who monthly head on from 1980s. You know, <laughs> and the, I can remember the season survey, and the, it was won by the Pirate Planet. So for the next 40 years, in my head, the best story of the key to time is the Pirate Planet. So when David asked the question, I put the Pirate Planet. I'm the only monkey who put the Pirate Planet. <laughs> <laughs> Go with yep. Stones of Blood or Android Tatara predominantly, which are also amazingly great stories, aren't they? Yeah, and none of those <laughs> are my favourite. <laughs> but I, I, I was not trying to, to be the only person. I thought I'd be in the majority. Yeah. yeah. And there I was on my own. It's <laughs> the nice yeah. thing about the uniquely compliant quiz that you do, John, is you, you thematically have rounds specific to the doctor. So the first round would be a Hartnell doctor all the way through the 13th round, which was uh, Whitaker focused. So the, yeah. the setting of the questions are thematically uh, appropriate, but not all the answers yes. <laughs> are. <laughs> yeah. They're not, you get a lot of answers you never expect, don't you? That's the thing. Yeah, as, a, and, as a host, you just think, wow, where did that one come from? Because <laughs> it wasn't what you were thinking. It's kind of loosely themed in that what I try and do is make sure that the majority of questions can be answered with something from that era. But you don't have to. But for most of the questions, you don't have to answer with based on that era. So if you've never watched mm-hmm. Hartnell, 
uh, I think you can you could still answer all the questions in round one. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's, it's um, not a who test. It's but it's very informal. It's it's very light hearted. Yeah. Uh, everybody invariably knows the answers to all the questions. It's just about choosing the most appropriate answer in that moment, really. And, and it is fun. As a player, I try to make it as fun as possible for me and everybody else. I try. I might fail. <laughs> uh, as a host, I take it a bit more seriously because you have to adjudicate and, and keep keep law and order because that we do have a fair share of pedantry going on. Um, and, <laughs> oh, yes. And, and sometimes there's literal interpretation, uh, whereas there is personal interpretation, you know, and the diversity of players that we have, and they're from all around the world, and, it, yeah. and I think it's great. And, mm. and, I, and I will say, these games are nothing, and they mean nothing without the players taking part. Yeah. So, you know, all credit to those guys who find 10 minutes spare a week to join in. As a host, I mean, I don't know how it's for John, but the actual reconciliation of, of all the answering, it takes hours. Yep. And putting the scores on, releasing tables of whatever you do, it's an undertaking and you've got to be committed. Yes. So a host has to be committed, but you need a minimum commitment from the players just to, just to please just continue playing really because without them it doesn't mean anything so to all the players who've taken part in over all the years i've nothing but respect absolutely and and what's happened now with our quizzes john i think sorry uh, is the the slowly now becoming they're developing a history and now becoming a part of the annual games of rassilon events you know the the unique quiz i think has got six or seven years behind it now um I, I've recently moved to a new quiz which you guys will take part in. It's got, and it's nothing but fun, and, I, and it's called the Really Pointless Quiz. And I usually start that around April, and I love love hosting that because it's a big laugh. Yeah, and I think everybody enjoys it. The Really Pointless Quiz is to, to nobody should take it seriously. I, I mean, David probably takes it seriously. <laughs> I take everything seriously. <laughs> so, so it's it's a variation on TV game shows, but so the listeners are aware. Everybody start has a starting total, and every every they will lose points every week, and it's about who can hang out the longest and keep points on the board. So they might all start with three hundred and one points. Every time they answer a question and share that answer with another player, they lose that number of points. So even a unique answer is a minus one, but if ten people give the same answer, it's minus ten, and that is about their own. Again, it's a bit of jeopardy, isn't it? And to me, I, I do really enjoy that one. And I think I think yeah. the players do. As a player, I'm terrible at it, but I still enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it's, it is funny. And, and it does give some funny results. And, and yeah, the unique quiz, I think everyone takes quite seriously. I think the really pointless quiz, and similar to your your uh, hybrid quiz, I, I think they're loads of fun uh, if you don't take it seriously. Yeah. You know, just have the right, right attitude. And, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, as a host, for me... The most important thing with the ones that I actually run is the conversation that goes on in the threads. Yeah. As you say, there's quite a lot of work involved in just gathering the answers and checking them and <laughs> posting them. It does. And, it does. But it, but the conversation, the conversations and the jokes and um, even the quibbles sometimes <laughs> uh, <laughs> is is what is what makes is what makes it worthwhile for me uh, uh, to host the uniquely compliant quiz which actually is the only one i'm doing at the moment so um that's the mo- been the most successful of mine yeah it's amazing fun just touching back to the questions like you're saying 
pretty much you allow a variety of answers. And I'm looking at the round one questions A, Doctor Who, which was the Hartnell round. First question is, name an actor who has been credited as playing, quote, the Doctor, quote, Doctor Who, or abbreviation thereof, which covers the pedantry. Which... <laughs> Do your best, don't you? <laughs> it's an ongoing process. <laughs> we refine the questions each year to try, oh, and, try and stop banging your head against the... <laughs> I mean, again, people only need to look back to the very first quiz, and it was full of disclaimers and, and apologies, you, you, you know, in, in every question, because you, you just don't know how it's going to be interpreted and how it's all going to play out. Mm-hmm. You know, and my weekly message was, was please bear with me. I'm still learning this as well, you know, in, in, in how to word it in such a way that you don't upset everybody. Because so many people can think outside the obvious box. So you're trying to rein in the broad field of answers. Absolutely. Example of um, John's 10th question of the 10 <laughs> questions in the first round. Name a story featuring Ian and Barbara. Flashbacks do not count. So <laughs> you have so, to be so, very... So, so, yeah. It's, it's trying to constrain the answers. Jo- John wants an answer from between an unearthly child and the chase, yeah? We all know that is what he means. <laughs> And yet somewhere, somewhere down the line, somebody will find an answer outside of that scope and still try to be able to justify it. Because cause they, they've justified it to themselves, it's just convincing the rest of us. Uh, so, I mean, the Jacqueline Hill question is very popular, isn't it? Name a story with Jacqueline Hill. So pe- a lot of people do love to go to Megalos, yeah. don't they? Yeah. You know, because everyone... Could, but, but if you name Barbara, you can't name Megalos anymore. If you say Jacqueline Hill, you can. And, and it's just that... that um, kind of thinking and, and the, 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 these Doctor Who fans they're very good at it yes they, they, they know all these options and alternatives outside away from the obvious so so the the art form for myself and John and others it, it's it's actually the skill is writing the question correctly and that develops as you go and you think you write it correctly and you get and then suddenly an answer coming John halfway through the week and you think I needed to word that differently yeah because that you know that wasn't what I meant at all. But I've got to accept it. <laughs> so it's 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 ongoing, isn't it? So I think as long as we keep explaining to the players who take the time to join in that we don't pretend to be perfect, no. but just please respect us as we respect you. John, how often do you rewrite the questions from year to year? I don't pay that close attention to whether you recycle the questions or not. But do you? Or it's. Uh, greater than 90% recycled from the first year to the second year because I've only been doing it two years so far mm-hmm. but quite often much more often than that I've done a bit of rewording mm-hmm. the times I chuck out questions completely is when people get horribly confused um, so I had a question about name a base under siege story yeah. in the in the first year yeah. and that just threw people completely um, huh. Being in fandom, I thought, oh, base under siege. Everybody knows what a base under siege is, but right. that it, that turned out to not be true at all. And that question wasn't salvageable, so I had to replace that one. Well, gents, listen, <laughs> we can actually go to the fans' extreme here, is what constitutes a companion? Because that isn't, isn't that a minefield? I've basically <laughs> done... John, explain oh, wow. how you handle the mi- on, the, that minefield. <laughs> that particular minefield... Uh, it was such a minefield. I basically came up with my own definition and I post it at the, the start of each round. The first thing it says is, <laughs> this is what counts as a companion. And it's got examples. 
I mean, I had to do the same, John, didn't I, beforehand? Yeah. Is this how it, how it all grows? Yeah. To me, traditionally, from the Doctor Who 1963 to 89, I mean, God, I remember in those days, we even had the goal to call a companion an assistant, didn't we, as well? <laughs> yes. That was shocking, shocking behaviour by Doctor Who universe. Um, but yeah, so a companion was a person like Ian and Barbara, Zoe, Jamie, Romana's, they, they travel with the Doctor. They're in the TARDIS, they're travelling, they're his companions. So so he has friends on Earth. The people who didn't necessarily go in the TARDIS, but he was very pally with. So, so you've got the unit family, haven't you? Yeah. So suddenly we go to the RTD era and he opens up a whole universe of ambiguity over what a companion is because suddenly you've got characters who appear in one episode and a lot of fandom now regards that as a companion, even though they may not have even stepped foot in the TARDIS. Yep. But they spent the episode with the Doctor and they're a companion. And that is kind of accepted. So we have to allow for that in our wording. Yeah, and we have a retroactively expanding canon of companions where traditionally I think like Benton and Mike Yates and the Brigadier were on the non-companion side of the companion. But now the newer generation of fans would consider them companions often. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in wording, David, and you touch is, is Liz Shaw. Yes. She never stepped foot in the TARDIS, not properly, <laughs> but she's a companion. Yep. But in a definition, you can't start talking about being in the TARDIS because yes. then you're, you're removing Liz Shaw as an answer. But right. we, we're not trying to remove Liz. She, we know she's bona fide companion. <laughs> yeah, the companion, I think, causes the most angst. Yeah. Unless we give a definition of what a companion is for the purposes of the question and not uh, necessarily everybody's own personal canon. Yeah. So it's... So for me, you know, Rose Tyler's a companion, Martha's a companion, Donna's a companion... Is Astrid no. Pethica? No, not really. <laughs> not for me. Not, not for me, but to, I know a lot of people will, will live and die by the definition that she was, a, as as with various others that you could mention through the entire New Who era. So um, it's, it's, it's just, as long as it's clear to the players, I think it's fine. Yeah, I mean, my definition doesn't include everybody that I would like to include, and it includes some people that I ideally wouldn't include. Mm -hmm. But you can't have a a gut-feeling definition for this sort of thing. So you have to have strict rules. So uh, mine rules out Sarah Kingdom, for instance, who... I mean, if you include the audios, has like had seasons worth of adventures, <laughs> yeah. you know. And, and the problem is, you see, that on a, one of the official BBC sites, Sarah Kingdom is listed as a companion. Yeah. As is Katerina, but they, the the time in the TARDIS was very limited to one story in one case and only two part stories in the other. So you've just got to be clear. It's just about being, you know having yeah. questions with clarity. Oh, so you, we might put a, a minimum number of TARDIS-related stories, for example in a question. So not everyone is on Gallifrey Base, and sometimes Doctor Who forums especially get a negative uh, view in greater fandom that it's a, it's a bunch of negativity. But even, even for people already on Gallifrey Base, what would you say to them to uh, get them to take a look at the games? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for any listeners who might be on Gallifrey Base but have never gone to the games of Rassilon, please just have a look, but spend five minutes and tell me you wouldn't have a good laugh joining in. Yeah. You know, that would be my challenge to yeah. the listeners, is, is join us. 
because it's very light-hearted most of the time and and just if you can't have fun with Doctor Who then, then why bother yeah you know just just enjoy it this it's been a lifelong pleasure uh, and if I can't enjoy the TV series as much as I did because of the emotional connection as a watching it as a boy and a teenager to watching it as a, a grumpy adult <laughs> then then have, have fun fun with the, with the online community who are all ages, all diversities, all around the world. So yeah, I would encourage anybody just to try try one quiz, any of the quizzes, yeah. and tell me you don't have fun. And I'll, I'll just add to that that if you've visited Gallifrey Base and you've just gone to the TV sections and thought, oh, I'll see what people are saying about the latest episode. I don't do that. Right. <laughs> every few years, every few years, I get tempted and I go in and then I back away slowly because there is such fierce opinions butting up against each other in those new episode threads. Yeah, no, that's a, there are definitely clicks and there are definitely clear and obvious divides. And I think as long as you respect those divides, because I, 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 I know, John, you and I may only share fifty percent if that taste. All right. I know with David, I'm probably <laughs> 75. I think though David and I will disagree on a lot, we agree on a lot more. Whereas with yourself, I think, I, I, I think you are a far more open-minded fan than I am. Okay, maybe that's because you came into it a bit later. I, I think you, you know. Whereas I, you know, I'm very old-fashioned in what I like and what I don't like. And yeah, I mean, it, you know, I, I'm, I'm very, I'm very pro. I, I love the whole series as a whole, yeah. but I will never favor the the newer stuff over the old stuff because i don't have the emotional connection with it i i mean I, I say i'm new i'm new new to fandom i've been watching doctor who on and on off since 1967 mm-hmm. so uh i'm you know um you haven't got those I'm... missing tapes anymore, <laughs> don't tell anyone just asking just asking you know ready to make a bank so uh, yeah but interestingly my two favorite eras are ones that I didn't see live. Mm-hmm. Uh, I adore the Hartnell era. If I had to pick a, a single era, it would be Hartnell. Uh, and the other, it, yeah, my heart is with the first and, four. And then yeah. my uh, almost, almost up there with that is McCoy. Huh. Uh, and at that point, at that point, I was in that stage where I was quotes too grown up to watch <laughs> Doctor Who. In fact, science fiction in general, if it wasn't miserable. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I really, really enjoyed the Capaldi era in, in yes. the, you know, in the re- revised, uh, I love Bill Potts as the companion. I love their relationship. Yeah. I, I also really think Matt Smith played the role tremendously considering the challenges he was given, whether, whether that that's personal, opinion whether it be with the, the quality of storytelling or even his other the characters he had to work with i thought matt smith was tremendous and i think peter capaldi was amazing yeah you know so i have a i do have a lot of love for you know for, for doctor who generally whereas my heart is solidly stuck in 1963 to 1989 <laughs> and that's just the way it is it's just the way it is it's not criticism yeah yeah exactly. I, I i i i i love and enjoy what I love and enjoy, and I take it on its individual so, merit. Yeah. So, in addition to the quiz games, which are a lot of fun to play, but a lot of work to run, we have all the elimination games and point-based games. So, what are some of the other point-based games that 
we've experimented with. John, you had the uh, musical chairs, musical chair games. That was a... Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Where basically people got confused by that one. <laughs> uh, people wanted me to do it again, but it was, that one was taking too much attention for the amount that I, I was getting out of it. You're right. No, um, I remember the game. I, I, couldn't get on, yeah. I couldn't get on enough. I couldn't get on Gallifrey Base often enough to keep up with it because that's one that happens really quickly right and uh if i'm only checking him once a day uh it slows it right down and mm -hmm. it loses momentum so um and i tried to get people to do it for themselves but then john, john yeah john, can you remember the game where we effectively met online and it was a game to do with stocks and shares. You, yes. And it was absolute bedlam and manic. It was chaos. <laughs> and the game host cleared off and never came back. That's right. So I tried to take over running it. <laughs> if we'd all been in a room, there would have been a fight. Because people were, <laughs> yes. were verbally assaulting him. It was amazing. Wasn't it bonkers, John? And and John ended up yes. taking over. The, and we, what we did with those that left standing after the carnage... We simply finished the game off nicely, didn't we? Yeah. And, yeah. you, you know, mm -hmm. just brought it to a natural conclusion. And never played it again. Yes. <laughs> Not touch it with a barge no. pole, no. No. Um, and, and what would you think, the issues of that game, I think it was people were trying to post too quickly, if anything. Everybody was in a mad rush just to yes. have their little vote. And it, and it just, just descended. And we had to, I think John John did it, because John took over, but you had to implement some ground rules almost, yeah. wasn't there? You know, just just stop it being a free-for-all and just put some... Scram scrambling to try and try and make it work. But it was a great example of, of how quickly a, a game can disintegrate, yeah. you know? But Can't happen again, with the quizzes. I'm just going to say to the, the... But that's how John and I met. Yes, it is, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to say to the punters out there, this sort of thing sticks in the mind because it happens so rarely. Yes. It's a one -off, the games yeah. of Rassilon so, is yeah. generally one of the kindest and most friendly yeah. areas of Gallifrey Base. So. Wow, just just another game that can descend into chaos for no logical reason because it's so simple in principle. David and John, you both know this. I simply it's called the winner is one hundred. Oh, and all oh, you've no. got to do, all anybody has to do, and it's so <laughs> funny, isn't it? All you got to do is add a story to it, starting at number one on post number one, and at post one hundred, that story is the winner of the game. And it, so it's a list of ninety nine, then the winner. And can we finish that without a prop? Wow, <laughs> it's a, I'm, I actually end up in pain laughing on the floor with what goes on in that game because something so simple becomes so difficult I can't explain it as a community <laughs> we cannot make a list but it's a funny bad it's not a, a bad bad yeah 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 it's just like oh no it makes you groan doesn't it <laughs> so there you go yes. and yeah that'll be back this summer that's back in the summer can't wait <laughs> and, and that reminds me, actually, there are some games that the game element of it is by far and away the least interesting thing that happens. So there's ones where you have a long list of whatever it is, stories, and all you do is you get to take one off. Right. And the last one left is the winner. Last man standing. Last man yeah. standing. And yeah. Ba Can't... Basically, as far as I'm concerned, that would be a very, very boring game. All you're doing is, oh, which one do I really not want to win? I'll take it off. 
But then what people do is they will put a nice little tagline about why this story has come out. <laughs> and that actually right. makes it... Um, make makes it fun so like you know the end of the world was not televised <laughs> right uh, or, or whatever you know <laughs> um usually some kind of wordplay or pun generally yeah it, it's called a witty quip isn't it we call it yeah. a witty quip please feel free to add a witty quip as to your and, choice and isn't it that <laughs> for me that that is the only reason to play those games yeah is is because oh yeah <laughs> i like that i like what that person's done and I get disappointed when people don't put the witty quip in. It's sort of like, yes, that story should still be in there because they didn't say something funny. <laughs> Make it. It should yeah. be, be a fundamental part of the rule, shouldn't it? That your you, your your turn is disqualified <laughs> if there is no yeah. witty quip. So, I, I, That's too hard I think, to administer. Think, I think the last time I, I think last time did I not simply put lines from songs in didn't I? Mm-hmm. I incorporated the song the story title into a song lyric right and yeah, I yeah. It, just just for a bit that, that's yeah bit exactly change, that, you know i did it that way creativity like uh, the, the famous song by the seekers uh, the, the carnival of monsters is over <laughs> you know that sort of <laughs> yeah so if game mechanics is there a lot more that you think we can do with game mechanics to make them interesting? Yeah. Or is that something you spend time thinking about? I am sure there is. I have no idea what it is. Because, um, <laughs> you know, people will come up with things. So like the uniquely compliant one. Well, the, you know, ori- originally the unique and compliant one, that that was something that didn't exist. And then the sheep reverse <laughs> sheep came up, you know. Uh, that, that, was, that was you, wasn't it? Yeah. Was, it, was it you that came up with that? I imported it from other forums oh, okay. right. and ran it once. Yeah. I can't claim to be the creator of it. That was 2016. Uh, 2016. Time flies. Yeah. But you know, so that that was something that didn't exist and then it did and then it then it got tweaked yeah. and then I did the uniquely compliant one. Uh, this year, of course, with that, I also introduced a parallel quiz, which <laughs> hasn't been done before, which is called the Uniquely Crompliant Quiz. Mm-hmm. Um, there's someone called Crom who has an amazing ability to give unique answers in compliant quizzes and compliant answers in unique quizzes, <laughs> and had the previous year had been doing spectacularly badly i think it's fair to say yeah but without ever getting a question wrong he never yeah. gave a wrong answer but he would he would still manage to get the lowest possible score and, and, and quite, uh, i think it was quite quite tactical and deliberate probably oh yeah yeah he I'm, was I'm, very good and it was very yeah. funny wasn't it yes so, it is brilliant yeah. and and a great sport but they did mention in the comments after the first uniquely compliant quiz oh, i wish there was a quiz i could win <laughs> and i said i oh, will have to we'll have to invent you a compliant quiz then yeah. and uh, so i decided i would just do it where his answer is the right answer and you you scored you scored a point <laughs> if you like... gave the same answer as crom if <laughs> and... you can match him yeah and that was the only way around around it yeah but that was a bit of diversity from a quiz within a quiz wasn't it yeah an, an additional effort and and players took part without even knowing because if they gave an answer they had the option whether to say it was linked to the crom answer or not. see i uh, as a player myself i never paid much attention to the answers that crom gave so i had no idea what to even give as an answer for a crom i, I wouldn't crom i wouldn't answer. have a clue <laughs> where, where i'm like peter no because i've been hosting a bit longer and i've got to know 
you know, the core players, if you like, I, I kind of know where they're going to go with an answer mm-hmm. or, and, you know, or where they won't. So I, I kind of feel, and this all goes back to not knowing what the fans thinking was anymore, to actually making a point to try to understand what fans like now these days and what, what's popular, what isn't. So I've got to know players through their answers, what, you know, what type of fan they are. So because I felt I knew the player well enough to actually second-guess the answers. And I did okay. I think at 60%, was it? I can't. You About know, that. Over 100 questions. It, it, you know, and I did complain to John privately that he keeps changing his mind this year. But no, I could equally do that with other guys. And ne- next year, if, if we're still doing this, then I'll probably do this, something similar with somebody else, David. <laughs> <laughs> Am I that predictable? <laughs> Um, No, it's about consistency, isn't it? It's about being true to yourself. So if you like something and you're giving an honest answer, you're still going to give that same answer as the thing you like, for example. You know, and I think, and the more true to oneself a person is, the more easy it is to to consider what might be their answer to the question. So I've got to know people. That's what I'm saying. The online community, I'm getting to know them now. That I can, you know, almost guess half the time what they're going to say. I mean, listen, I know there are guys out there, David. You will know every time they will give a Peter Davison answer, for example, <laughs> or the smugglers. Okay, I know right? you're talking about now. <laughs> they're consistent, solid. But we, we we know we know that's what what will happen, yes. irrespective of anything else. We know that even even City of Death. You know, we know there's going to be a guy who will will we'll always want to answer City of Death, even if it's a good or a bad answer, because. They're true to themselves, you know. Mm. So, um, but but again, this is about just having a bit of fun. Yeah, I, I don't do anything else but try to have a laugh with the host and the other players. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, and and I would be, feel dreadful if I ever offended anybody by mistake, for example. I've never never tried to do that. You know. Do you, do you know? And and the same for John. When, when I've had to disregard an answer or negate an answer for it I feel terrible yeah same <laughs> you know when I've had to tell somebody that sorry but your answer is outside the parameters of the question no matter how far I try to bend and twist it I just can't make it fit that reminds me I think in my message to you John just, you're so nice to people giving them second chances to answer things and stuff and <laughs> yeah when I ran, it was sort of like, say that. <laughs> it's either right or wrong, and we're going to move on. I'm not going to keep going back and forth for another three, four days trying to pull out the right answer for someone. Well, I've gone for the meta rule of my word is final. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I have said that, yes. you know. So, uh, yeah, do feel free to argue about it, and I might reword the question or replace the question next year, but... My word is final. Yeah, I agree with you, John. I think it depends how much blame you you put upon yourself if you feel the question is badly worded. If you think it's adequate and everybody, you know, if there's 30 players and 29 get it and one didn't, the problem's with the one, not the 29, isn't it? You know, it's, you just got to stick with it. That's, That's the decision. I think you need to add a clause that uh, misguided or poorly worded questions are par for the course and just <laughs> yes. deal with it. Put, put it in a, in a disclaimer before, yeah. before round one. Just just know I'm, my questions are a bit woolly and loose. Yeah. <laughs> you just have to go with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're not so, watertight in the slightest. <laughs> so the granddaddy of all the games is the top three tournament. Yeah. And it was kind yeah. of the reason why the Game of Rassilon section was created. Yes, to house it, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Abbreviated T3T, isn't it? So I, yeah. originally I wouldn't have known what on earth that referred to mm-hmm. until I 
clicked a link and was taken to it. But what a fantastic game, you know? The most current iteration of it is every broadcast Doctor Who story is randomly shuffled into groups of six or seven stories and you vote three points for your first first place stories, two points for your second place, and one point for your third place story. The greatest vote earners advance to the next round until you're down to the final round final six stories and that top story wins for the year on doctor who day yeah and it's the top three because it's the three each round it's the top three that advance yeah basically gold silver bronze isn't it it's but it's three two one three two one every step of the way and in, invariably, if anybody was to look at the winners of all the 20 plus years, there's no bad stories in there. No. Let's be honest. They're, they're all great, great, great episodes and stories. Yeah. Yeah, you get there in the end. The, the journey can be quite eventful and surprising. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a lot of fun. And people love playing it. 100 plus people every year will log in to just put their 3 2 1 on every week. Yeah. And that's great. Yeah, and and and, the, and the, with all these things, the more people that play, just the better it is. Yeah, for the for the game hosts, there's a lot more work involved. Which is why I've not volunteered to help out with the T3T. Um, that, that, I, I think it's yeah, a step too far. It's such a, a massive unknown quantity, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I foolishly get involved enough in the T3T that I always have a sad moment when the time meddler gets eliminated. Which I know is silly. It's, it, it doesn't matter at all. I, I can yeah. watch it anytime I want. And, you know, yeah. it's, it's... I, I, I'm at the point of paranoia. When people have discovered what my more preferred stories are, I just think they vote against it on purpose because it's me <laughs> and nothing to do with the story. That, you know, that's where, where my head goes. I mean, they, they get me back now. This is the payback I get. You know, I made fun of them three years ago. You know, yeah. Revenge is sweet. <laughs> so... You do have to remind yourself that just because it's gone doesn't mean I can't go watch it. Doesn't change how much I like it when a story goes out that you're really passionate yeah. about. Do you know, guy? I can't believe I cannot believe the whole world does not enjoy beyond anything else. Claws of Axos episode one. Oh. It's got everything in there. There is that. A complete Doctor Who story is in that one episode. Go, go ahead and watch it again to, and tell me it's not one of the greatest episodes. And yet, nobody cares. I'm, I love it on my own. I, I really like <laughs> I know, really like Claws of Axos. Um, and I watched it first in black and white, you know. <laughs> look at all the elements to put in a story. It's got weird space aliens. It's got, got Unit. It's got the Master. Um, Bill Filer. It, it, it has... Sun, it has snow, it has a man on a bike. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> who, who, who's living, live, whose name lives on in fandom today? Yes. You know, Pigbin Jot. What, what isn't to look? Anyway, there yes. you go. So, so I never get why people will, will put the boot into Claws of Axos, but they do. And I have to live with it and just love it in privately. Yeah, I, I can see why Time Meddler is more... more um... <laughs> It's more Marmite. I love the time, but uh, I love it. But love um, it, but yeah, yeah uh, I just I just love it. I think it's it's as close to perfect as <laughs> as you can get. But that's space <laughs> helmet for a cow. Yep. <laughs>
So, 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 so is this where we invite David to express his love for power of crawl? <laughs> yeah, that's one of my sillier games. I don't Krull's, know why they should the universe. They shouldn't even be called guilty pleasures, should they? There's they, yeah. pleasures. Yeah. Openly, widely available pleasures. It's a silly story. It makes me laugh. It often ranks in the lowest. 10 stories in many people's polls. It's, and certainly, yeah, even in the Tom, just Tom Baker stories alone, it doesn't fare highly, does it? You know. Mm-hmm. Any final thoughts here on games? I'll just add on the top three tournament just to get back to that. Yeah. Uh, two, two things. One of the nice things about that is um, uh, I actually now meet up with Chris Kay at Big Finish, so in, oh, in yeah. person, so I actually get to see him in person. Oh, nice. Good for you. And, and his yeah. family. Mm-hmm. Um, when they, when they come, and he's the main organizer. Who's the main, yeah, who's the main organizer who, who, who yeah. took it over and is main organizer of uh, uh, the top three tournament. And I like the spin-off yeah, things. So. I like the prediction game. I partly like that because I won a special <laughs> award on that for uh, correctly predicting the order of the finalists. Yeah, <laughs> one year. John, you've I've just re- remembered. John won the first ever unique quiz. And promptly re- removed it from his memory, and he has no recollection of ever winning. Yeah, I, I, I have, I have no memory of winning it at all. It shows how, win- how important it is. The, the, the thing that takes <laughs> me back was again the unique quiz has a very simple scoring system, so there's no confusion. If you give a, a solitary unique answer, you score one point. They can't, you can't get any more basic. If you, anything else, you get nothing. It's dead easy, and the one who has got the most points at the end is simply the person who gave the most unique answers at the end of the quiz. The the game you won, John, had a really stupid convoluted system, which is maybe why you won. But, but it was again, it was a it was a reason for for simplifying it. Again, the scoring systems, the, the, the mechanics. I got it the second year here. I understand the scoring system the second year. <laughs> the thing that saves saves everyone is you have a, a governor on it or a limit on how much damage you can do to yourself with <laughs> trying to be unique. Yeah. Right. Which is sti- it's still pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. My, my rule of thumb in all quizzes is just simply give the first answer I can think of. I do some self-loathing if I end up doing research for more than 60 seconds for, for anything because yeah. you know I just want to. so I just give the first thing I think of and except for the last quiz with John where I just gave the same answer as somebody else gave last year <laughs> and just just copied the whole lot <laughs> and, and got and, and it was a lot of, it was really funny especially when when the the host actually tweaked some of the questions and changed them and that required me to think and that was terrible that was a terrible sorry <laughs> I'm so sorry <laughs> I, I try I try not to force too much research so I have one round where I ask the the obscure questions well obscure for people that like just know Doctor Who from telly um, which is basically the, the Paul McGann round uh, I've made a mm-hmm. wilderness years round so yes. I ask questions about books and audios and stuff like that mm-hmm. uh, and I think well people can put up with it for one round <laughs> if, yeah. if having to go on the internet and, and search it's for fun. stuff it's, it's, it's fun to stretch one's mind do, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah and also I'm I, I'm a I'm a spin-off media lover so um, I, I can't not have it in there <laughs> it's uh it, it's kind of got to be in there yeah so yeah, okay thank you both for talking with me this morning and really appreciate it and 
I'd ask if you want to plug your games um, at all, but <laughs> I think the games plug themselves if people are willing to give them a try. Yep. And the, perhaps the biggest learning for me is I've just learned that pretty much the whole Doctor Universe has shocking taste, except for me. That's my lesson. Uh, I think <laughs> I think you mean except for me. <laughs> oh, maybe except for us. <laughs> no, me. <laughs> yeah, and 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 to be honest, it would be a dull, dull Doctor Who universe if we all like the same thing. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and I'd say, you know, we're in the in the hiatus between uniquely compliant quizzes at the moment, so there's nothing running at the moment. Um, uh, give it, give it a, yes. a few months. Uh, but if you want if you want to have a go at it then then just search for the words unique or compliant and you'll find you should find all of these quizzes well if you want a big laugh i will be starting in april ish the really pointless quiz which is as true as the title <laughs> and um you know they they become that we you know between us we we're kind of establishing them into culture on and hopefully we can continue yeah all right thank you peter thank you john yeah, yeah, good to see you, yeah. It's been nice to see you sort of in person, both both of you. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, lovely to meet you, John, and good to speak with you again, Dave. Thanks for your time. Yes, being halfway across the world, eight hours different from the UK, I really appreciate you taking your morning and chatting, chatting about this uh, niche area of Doctor Who fandom. Oh, and if you want to, if you want to contact us on Gallifrey Base, yes. I'm Elvwood. That's E L V, as in Elvis, um, for obscure reasons, and Wood. <laughs> I am known uh, for Pete's sake. Yes, people just refer to me as FPS, isn't it? But mostly, that's because it's just more polite than swearing. Yep. Listen, have a good day, gents, and I look forward to listening to this on your podcast. David, thank you yep. for everything that you do. Thank you, Elvwood, and for yep. Pete's sake. Cheers. <laughs> good day, guys. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye. Yeah, thanks ever so much. That's a lot of fun. And thank you for listening to episode 221 of the Metabulous 2 podcast. Ben and I will be speaking to you next live from his updates from the floor of the Gallifrey One convention in Los Angeles. Until then... Enjoy Doctor Who!